KYW Original Podcasts. This is a Flashpoint Extra. I'm Flashpoint host, Cherry Gregg. Hey, everybody. It has been a crazy couple of news weeks. You all saw the standoff that happened about 10 days ago where a 36-year-old Maurice Hill fired multiple rounds uh, at police officers after they were attempting to serve a warrant. Well, I got a chance to sit down with Shaka Johnson. He was on this weekend's Flashpoint, but I decided to separate out his interview because it was so compelling. He is our newsmaker of the week. Here is Mr. Shaka Johnson. This is Flashpoint, where we talk about the issues that get everyone hot and bothered. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. And one thing that gets residents hot under the collar is shooting at police. Now, attorney Shaka Johnson made headlines when he helped police convince 36-year-old Maurice Hill to surrender peacefully after a nearly eight-hour standoff where Hill allegedly shot six officers. But not everyone is happy about the peaceful resolution. Shaka, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, first of all, how have the last 10 days been for you? This is unlike, you know, I thought I had an eventful life prior to the last 10 days. <laughs> and that showed me I should have been thankful, you know, quite frankly, because the last 10 days have been a whirlwind um, for a variety mm-hmm. uh, of reasons. Obviously, dealing with uh, Maurice, the Maurice Hill situation mm-hmm. and managing, you know, all of my clients in the balance, you know, I'm not letting anything go un, uh, un- unchecked, undone. Mm-hmm. Um, and still trying to be a husband and a father, you know, and not yeah. trying to abandon those roles, you know, for too long. And so it's been it's been uh, trying. You were on basically every news channel. So I hear. <laughs> so I hear because in the moment you can't appreciate any of it, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's what I hear, though. I, I've gotten calls as far as uh, the Philippines. I've gotten calls from the Bahamas, from folks I know, like, you know, we're watching you on the, on the TV. So mm-hmm. who knew? I, I certainly didn't. This week alone, we heard Commissioner Richard Ross, yes. who was on the phone with you That's during correct. the whole negotiations. He right. resigned. He retired. I, I Your mean, reaction. took me for, I'm saddened by it, you know, principle myself on being a person. This is an adversarial system I'm in. Yeah. Right? I am in an adversarial system. And I recognize who was on the other side of the proverbial aisle for me. And that is usually the prosecutor's office and the police. And then the last week we have been bedfellows, you know, which is a very strange place. For yeah. Me. And so I had an up close and personal view of uh, the chief commander, the chief commanders. Yeah. I'll say. And the word that I have used uh, over and over for the past week or so to define my interaction with mm-hmm. Commissioner Ross mm-hmm. has been classy, a class act. Don't know what the man has going on in his personal yeah. life, but a class act and a professional, the consummate professional. That was my experience with him. So when you heard, you were like, "What?" Well, I think like, what? everybody. Like what? I mean, so when you, when you, in your mind, you, okay, we came from Chief Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, and then they got uh, a homegrown, right? They got someone homegrown, hand selected, mm-hmm. and it seemed to have been going well. Especially... After he was called the best commissioner in the nation. That's correct. And things things seem to have yeah. been going well. Yeah. And um, he was at the forefront of a standoff that didn't end in any additional bloodshed, no deaths. And then the following week, you know, you resigned very abruptly. Yeah. Um, and it sort of puts a lot of speculation in, mm-hmm. uh, in play. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it probably undeserved, quite frankly. Yeah. And so you think back, you were, before all of that happened... Um, you were w- working with him That's, to save 
lives, basically. And, and, and to be, you know, that certainly wasn't my thought, you know, and we're out here saving lives. That wasn't my thought. I had one individual in mind, to be perfectly frank, at the outset, at mm-hmm. the outset. And the longer it went and you have more time to think, you're like, wait a minute, this could this could really go very left, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have the benefit of preparing myself for having received that phone call to think things out. And a lot of people heard this story, you know, at least uh, I would say um, clips of the story. Um, and you were chilling, watching everything unfold. Yes. At, like, I, you know, we were all watching. We're like, yes. oh, my God. And then next thing you know, you're thrust in the middle. That is exactly right. I, my phone rang. And uh, uh, in in that moment, by answering the phone, I was just uh, there. I am. I'm, I'm in the middle of it. I'm on the FBI's phone. I'm on. I'm I'm right there in the middle of it by answering yeah. the phone. And um, and so you're thinking while you're talking, right? You're trying to navigate yeah. this very unfamiliar territory, um, and not mess things up. Yeah, and you didn't. You didn't mess you, it up. But 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 it's in the moment, right? So yeah. there's no script. There's no playbook. I had nobody who was there on my side with me coaching me through like you know say this or say that you know it was just on the fly for me what do i think uh, what would i what what would work for me like what what would somebody say mm-hmm. to me perhaps to get out of my own head my children my yeah. my family my you know i just was talking like i thought a person ought to be talked to like a human being yeah and you had known Maurice Hill from before yes mm-hmm. yes which is really the which gave me all the tools that i had mm-hmm. you know that was the my equipment box knowing him uh, having people in common, I know his family, so we're able to call certain people by name. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on the fact that he and I had had a a very good track record in terms of my uh, professional representation of him through the years, mm-hmm. he was he he considered he values my opinion. How many cases did you work with him on? Two, two or three mm-hmm. two or over three. a span over of how long? Span of span of a few years, a few, several years, three. yeah. And uh, we've 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 you know he's prevailed uh, in those instances. So you 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 helped them beat those cases. Uh, well, you know, I just say the government <laughs> wasn't able to prove what they were ha- what they were trying to prove. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I'm using lingo, <laughs> lingo. Lingo, but you right? you, you, right. you you did your job as a defense attorney right. and, 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 and 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 showed the the problems with the case, and, and, and he between, was prevailed. Yeah. In between those cases, we'd maintain a relationship. A relationship. He'd call, he text, you know. Stuff like that. I'd worked on stuff for his family and to like civil stuff for his family. And, and so you were like the family lawyer. Exactly correct. And so that day you were in his phone. You yes. were the guy that he called and you got the job done, which is why his sister was texting me. Please tell him to come out. I mean, it was it was a familial sort of effort. Um, once I got on the phone, like the, the, the family was texting yeah. me. And so it was. What did um, you say? What did you say? Sherry, we talked about a lot of stuff, you know, and you're trying things to see which thing sort of seems to be working. Mm-hmm. I wanted to never sound like law enforcement, right? Cause it dawned on me. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What I heard on TV was they've been talking to him for hours. Yeah. Right. So come out of the house and peacefully surrender sounds a little bit ridiculous. Cause I know they've been saying that for four and a half hours. Yeah. 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 So how do I say the same thing, the same sentiment and sound like, um, like I'm not part of that crew. You like know? you're the family lawyer Correct. or the family, the family friend, friend that you've been. Correct. Yeah. And so we just started, you know, talking about life, like life. Listen, life for you may be changed, my man. It may have changed, quite frankly. Um, and you may never breathe free air again. All right. Just, let me just let's go right there. And I said, you know, I'm never going to BS you. You know, yeah. and I said it exactly, you know, mm-hmm. the expletive. But you got children. You got a 16 year old son. You have a teenage boy. 
And do you want your legacy to be your boy watch you get slumped on national TV by police officers because you want to go out in the blaze of glory? Is that what you want for your kids? And so we went that way. Father to father. That father to father. You know, it's, big, it's more than you now because you've done enough. If, if, if what they're saying that you did, you in fact did, you've done enough to ruin your current circumstance. Let's talk about your children now. You got a two-day-old. At the time, he had a two-day-old daughter. Oh. Right, 48 hours old. His child's mother still in the hospital, you know, recovering from uh, uh, having given birth. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about all those other things. It didn't make sense to me to talk about him because I felt like they had beat that horse to death already. Yeah. Although I really I wasn't listening. The TV was kind of on mute, but I, I just assumed that this is what you've been talking about. Now, in the course of the conversation, yeah, the hostage negotiator would break into the line. And, hey, this is, you know, officer so-and-so, and I want a hostage negotiator. And it sounded so mechanical and robotic and police-like. I, I wanted to not sound that way. Yeah. You know, because I'd heard So that you had multiple voices coming in with different in cadences. Correct. Correct. Wow. Different agendas, different cadences, uh, different energy, you know, when the voice got into the phone call. And I, would, I had the benefit of seeing which one he responded to, which one he didn't. And quite frankly, didn't respond to any, you know, except the conversation he and I had going. And maybe because, you know, nothing special about me, but maybe because I was a fresh set of ears because I hadn't been on the phone with you for the past four hours. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's why he, and he trusted to me. you. He definitely trust me. Definitely. Yeah. And 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 we talk, you know, very urban in that moment. It was no law. It was no it was just two guys in the barbershop like that kind of conversation. Yeah. Um. And when he would get too far left, I would, you know, I would, I would, to be perfectly truthful, would you, Sherry, cuss him out, you know? And I don't know if this is in the hostage negotiator playbook. <laughs> like, maybe you're not supposed to curse the person on the other end out, you know? But I was not going to be uh, uh, held hostage on that phone, you know, playing with you. You called me, right? Yeah. And, like, sort of put me, put my life in a whole different space. Because you didn't know that was him. No, I had no idea. Had this, no idea, yeah. No idea this was you. You called my phone. And so at some point I even asked him. Why would you do this to me? And why would you do this to me? You know, you and I have a, 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 a professional and a social affection for one another. Why would you do this to me? Why would you call me on the phone but then refuse to come out so I can watch you get killed on TV? And I told him, I'm hanging up the phone. I'm hanging up. I'm not going to be on this phone with you. And I'm not going to. I said, I'm going to turn the TV off and I'm going to hang up this phone because I'm not going to listen to you and watch you get killed. That could that could scar you for life. Right. Like, yeah. I thought, why would you call me? This is a friend to a friend. And so I, I imagine in the days after I've had to think about it, these yeah. are the things that perhaps hostage negotiators don't have that intimate connection with the person on the other end. And so professionally, you want to do your job, I, I suppose, as a negotiator. Yeah. You want to do your job and you don't want to lose anyone, as they call it, like a lost one. You don't want to yeah. lose anyone. But I don't want my friend to get killed. Yeah. You know, and whether he has to spend uh, a little bit of time sometime or all the time in jail, better for his family that he be alive. Because it's almost like when you're in that position, six police officers, you got SWAT team. I talked to a gentleman who lives literally, he was watching the whole thing out his back window. Because he lived like right behind yes, and the cops yes, did yes. not uh, evacuate his home. I mean, he's he's seeing this. He's Him and his wife are trapped in there. Yes, yes. Uh, the gunshots going off. I mean, you're in this position. It's almost like you can't undo it. No, no you can't. And. I'd already resigned to the fact in my own mind that the person in that house is going to be killed before the night is over, before I knew who it was. Yeah. And 
uh, everyone who's close to me, you know, who, who we discussed this with on that day. Yeah. We said, boy, that fella's, you know, he's not going to make it out alive. Yeah. And so because people felt like the police had every right because he was armed with a semi-automatic, right. automatic weapon, sure. basically shooting and multiple cops, the largest number at one time right. we've, in modern history of course. got shot. And so, you know, I mean, and it was still happening. It, Rounds of it, shots. It, it, I, when we were watching at the four o'clock hour, no one knew, at least not no one on my side of my house. No, yeah. We didn't know how many gunmen there were. Yeah. One, multiple. But what what was clear was that the shooter or shooters were not going peacefully. It, that, that was very clear. Yeah. And so I said, well, you know, the Philadelphia police are a rough bunch, you know, rough and tumble bunch of cops. They're not going to go quietly. Yeah. This is going to end one way. I only see this end in one way, especially when I heard multiple officers shot. I said, this is only going to end one way. He wasn't coming out. Right. So, and he still was shooting. And well, somebody was. Somebody. You know, that's true. Right. Somebody, somebody was shooting. Was. True, true, true. Somebody al- allegedly was shooting. Well, we, so, well, we know somebody was shooting. Somebody that we was know. Shooting, yeah. You know, but, and I said, they are going to storm this particular property and this is not going to go well. Yeah, yeah. And so I. Because there was multiple people taken out of the house. Correct. Multiple people taken right. out. We don't know who, what, what. Listen, it's, I mean, it's multiple. Were, it's co defendants, multiple co defendants. Right. Multiple people were taken out the house. Officers were literally falling out of the house. It was such a chaotic scenario, but after things sort of settled and yeah. there was the official standoff, yeah, uh, I said, you know, I'm in a, in a group chat with some guys uh, from the church. I said, listen, you know, this is everybody was watching it and commenting on a little men's group chat, and I said, this is not going to end well, and I'm not going to watch this man get killed on TV. So, uh, but you know, some of the um, morbid curiosity gets to you, yeah. and I tune back in a little bit later. Then I will go away from it and tune back in a little later. But as night fell, I'm saying, this thing's still going on. He's still, yeah. he's still messing with this guy. You know, just so, so. And then, of course, the phone rang. And then there you go. You're thrust in the middle of it. Right. And and you were a police officer. Yes, ma'am. And so did your police officer skills come in handy? Um, no, no. I, I, it may be, but not. In, I, I didn't click a switch. I'll say that. I feel like my human, like I know how to talk to yeah. people. Yeah. You know? And so wherever... I think in order to be an effective police officer, you do have to have that human trait, knowing how to speak to yeah. people and defuse and deescalate situations with your mouth. That's your greatest weapon when you're a police officer. You shouldn't have to. T- yeah. Right. Yeah. You, 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 if you have to go to your sidearm, it's because your mouth didn't work. You know, that's how I view it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I like to think I had that when I was a police officer, which is mm-hmm. why I had a successful career in that regard. And then, you know, that's just sort of what kicked in. And it's a lot easier to do that when I'm not talking to a total stranger. Yeah. You know, so when I'm speaking to somebody who I know, it just sort of gave me it gave me uh, tools to to discuss. And what did you think when he came out? Basically, pretty okay. Well, my heart was beating very rapidly when when he was coming out, because I'll I'll say this to you. The energy uh, on that at that scene was palpable. Uh, with um, testosterone. You know, it was very palpable when I walked through that particular uh, location, all those police officers. Let me say this to you. Police officers, the ones who we call, and not not necessarily patrol officers, but I'm talking about the special weapons and tactics, which is a unit that I was a part of. I was mm-hmm. on SWAT. And some of these uh, these units, these specialty units, don't get as much action as folks would think. Okay? Yeah. Because these sorts of things don't happen often. Right? And so... 
when everybody is called to task, everybody's on deck, it was almost like, oh, here we go. It was it was just palpable that the, the people wanted some action. You know, I, I don't know any other, you know, more eloquent way to say mm-hmm. it, but it was very palpable to me. Especially when six of your colleagues, six of your, your brothers, br- that's my point, get shot. Because in this society, police officers tend to be a little gun shy now because everything's on camera. Citizens are watching that sort of thing here. Anything that's done will very likely be justified as a result of six police officers being shot and hospitalized and taken on fire. So people, the energy was just like, please give us the word, give us the green light. And Commissioner Ross would not do that. As a former police officer who was on SWAT, who was in these situations previously, what type of restraint does it take to say to not give the word, despite the fact that, so many people were shot. I mean, we've never heard of anything like I, this. Never. I've never heard of such a thing. And I'll tell you, it was. Um, and there may be a couple of reasons for that, right? Because initially the reports were hostages inside that were also police officers. It might have been tactical to take into consideration their safety, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, let's make sure the entire place is cleared of even other suspects so that they're not injured if they have no part, no hand in the shooting. Right. So. There might have been a lot of other tactical considerations beyond just simple restraint. Yeah. And, you know. and and the good thing is no police officer was killed. Correct. Which I think takes things to a whole nother level. It, I think it really does. Those are the sorts of things that we also uh, said on the phone, you know, that was said on the phone um, to Maurice. You know, no officers were killed. There's no reason to, you know, uh, th- this was the hostage negotiator. Yeah. Would say. And I didn't know if that was the best tactic. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. But I didn't want to talk about any of that. You know, we talked about food and, like, you know, we talked about a lot of other stuff trying to sort of soften him up to to surrender himself. But he was always very concerned that if I present myself to the door, they are going to kill me, regardless of what you say, they're going to kill me. Yeah. He just felt like if I try to walk out, that's correct. I'm just going to get popped right there. And And, no, no talking, nothing. That's correct. And which is why he said, well, I need you to be here. They won't do that if you're here. And I'm thinking, well, why, 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 why you think, why would, they, why would you think they wouldn't do it if I'm standing there? You know? Yeah, but then now you would be a witness because you would have well, to see that well, if well, it Maurice, did happen. The whole world is watching. Yeah, people in Belgium are watching. Well, you need me. Wait, why you need me on Carlisle Street? Like everybody else is there. Yeah, you know. But yeah, I didn't say that to him. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, and what you know, whatever, um, however I've moved him or affected him through the years, it's been in a positive way. Yeah. And he says, if if you're here, this can be a reality. And at some point, Commissioner Ross gave us a, you know, a finite time that we have to, that he has to be out. Otherwise, he had to turn it over to tactical guys. Now, there's been reports that the tear gas is what did it. Yeah. Let's just say for the sake of arguendo, Maurice was shooting, for the sake of discussion. Do you think that a person who has hundreds of rounds of ammunition an assault rifle better than most police officers carry, uh, seemingly proficient with it, I might add, who has taken up a position for a full workday of not coming out and barricading himself inside, not allowing that place to be stormed either through the back or the front or the or the roof. Do you think because his eyes were burning, that is what caused him to put down his pistol, raise his hands in, in universal surrender yeah. mode, and walk out the front door because his eyes were burning? Is that what you think? It was a decision. It, that was a it was a it was obviously a decision. How do people look at this? Yes, people were shot. Nobody died. It could have been way worse. How does this affect the case? The surrender? Yeah. Not very much. Does not. Okay. Not very much. It turns it from a capital case 
you know, which obviously it would have been a capital case if he shot a police officer and the police officer died. That would have been one that um, I'm sure people would have been petitioning Mr. Krasner to make this a capital case. Yeah. But outside of that, which we're talking about the penalty phase, it doesn't change much because obviously uh, people are calling for blood in terms of uh, uh, obviously no one uh, in the police ranking file wants him to see the light of day again. Yeah. And you and just so you were also a former prosecutor. Yes. (laughs) So you you just said, which was earlier, you were like, yeah, you know, usually... You know, as a defense attorney, I have prosecutors and law enforcement. You've been in every seat. I have. I have. But the only seat I've never been in is the one that you. Right. right. (laughs) I applied for all of those positions. (laughs) I did not apply for the one that he put me in. Right. Which was answering that phone and talking to somebody who I refer to as nephew. Call him Neff. You understand? Yeah. Like that. That was a position I've never been in. In uh, in the forty plus years I've been walking the earth, I've never been in that position, and pray to never be in it again. Wow! And so, are you going to be representing his him in the in this case? No, no, he he deserves uh, a different kind of representation. And and what I mean by that is the amount of resources that it's going to take to adequately represent him mm-hmm. in terms of experts and ballisticians, yeah. uh, mitigation specialists, and um, Maurice is not a person who's wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like I said, I've known his family. They are not wealthy. And so he's going to need the resources of perhaps our system when we give those to people who are, in fact, indigent. Um, he's going to need those resources to adequately be represented. Um, I would be doing him a disservice, not able to carry that full freight on my dime in terms of all of those yeah. things he'll need. You know, I would not save your life and then give you poor representation. That makes no sense. Yeah. So he needs uh, the benefit of having those resources. People have said all sorts of things about this case and your part in it though uh, is, is like a shining light in the, in the case. Well, to some, I mean, you know, I've gotten death threats, you know, um, really? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They, they email them. I mean, these people are, this is, this is really, I mean, people email, when I say email them, email them with their name and, and, and phone number. Um, From you, so you getting, you've gotten death threats yeah, since, yeah, 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 since yeah. James, you helped. And, James and Susan. That's correct. Um, uh, uh, emailed uh, through my website and left the phone number. I called it to make sure it was real. And James answered the phone and and said much of what he said in the email. You know, a bunch of uh, 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 you know negative expletives and 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 uh, racially charged language. And I was all sorts of mfs and and black this and that. And they should have put a bullet in your head. And oh, okay, all right, James. That's how James felt about it. And he was speaking on behalf of he and his wife Susan. I got mail from Wyoming. Um, uh, because, it, you know, it was postmarked. I got well from postcards, you know. Uh, it's it, so everyone is not taking it as a shining, like a beacon, a beacon of light, you know. Um, you got death threats. Yeah, this is for for literally saving life. That's how. Listen. After I had time to think about this later, my, and, 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 and my client and my friend hugged me and told me, thank you. So Maurice hugged Correct. You. Correct. Ugh. Um, I saw him at the jail and he cried and he and he just told me thank you. And we didn't do a lot of talking about the case because I, I told you I'm not going to be representing him. But I went and saw him and, and I let him know that I would not be representing him. I, I, I owed him that courtesy to let him know. And uh, I hugged him again. You know, that's how the conversation went. And in those moments when I have this man crying and, and some people might say, you know, well, who cares if he's crying? But I, I care that he was crying. Yeah. And um, I had to have a conversation with my family. You know, listen, I'm getting these threats. The first one or two, I just sort of, eh, eh. But after three or four, and now people are, you, you, you wasting postage on me? Like, you're actually, like, putting things in the U.S. Postal Service and having it sent to me? 
So I have the girls in the office now. They have to open things with gloves. I mean, it's like a real crazy, you know, I have people oh are my God. Right, right. Because of because I just answered the phone and told and, and, and begged Commissioner Ross to give me some time to talk to this young man. And nobody died. That is now apparently worthy of my crucifixion and death. Are you nervous at all? Not at all. I mean, I'm SWAT trained. I, I'm, built for, I'm built for it all. <laughs> I'm built for it all. <laughs> I'll just say that. Just know you ready. Yeah, don't listen, come Don't listen, come over here. You like, to do what not. I'm saying to me. I'm a surgeon with it. I'll just leave it at that. So, no, I believe I, so you, I have, no con- I have no concerns in that regard at all. Oh, my God. I'm so, like, floored by that. Right. This, I, that, yeah. And are they still, do you expect more? I mean, it's, so every week you think the case might die down a little bit, but then this week we had, you know, sort of a rebound, right, with Commissioner Ross. And then, so, I, I don't know. I didn't expect the last postcard, postcard I got, which was just this past Friday from the folks in Wyoming. Yeah. You know, so, you know, uh, I don't travel to Wyoming very often, so, you know. Yeah. You know. So how you think you got like a half a dozen or so? About, yeah, about that. About half a dozen about death that. threats. About that. And so hopefully it'll die down. <laughs> it'll die down. It'll die down. It's cool. Yeah. And so, but you are motivated because uh, I read on your website, you have a nice video. Thank you. On there. And one of the things you said is that, you know, when you were in the prosecutor's office and as a police officer, you saw folks who were sliding through the cracks of the system. And a lot of times they could have been you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that I really live by, you know, that saying that my grandmother and my mother say often, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I, you know, and I didn't understand it initially when I was a kid. But the older you get and the longer you live, you know, you realize that uh, every bad thing that could have befall you, befell you, it, it didn't. It didn't, you know, and um, I don't see myself taking up arms and uh, doing anything violent like that. But. The circumstances that led to, like whatever those building blocks and those circumstances were, those ingredients that led to a person snapping in that particular way, I'm sure I've been exposed to some of those growing up in, a, in an urban community, in a single-parent household. I'm sure I've been exposed to some of those things. Yeah. You know, mercy was shown on me, and somehow I, you know, I, I made it and went a different direction. But I don't ever take for granted that, you know, but for some people looking out for me, but for, you know, a community helping to raise me, that I could have been in that particular spot, I don't take for granted. So I don't look down on a Maurice or anybody like a Maurice. I don't look down on any of my clients. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. while, you know, I don't do what they do or, you know, I've never been charged with the things they've been charged with, I keep it in the front of my mind, not the back of my mind, in the front of my mind. And it helps me talk to folks and it helps me relate. They yeah. relate back to me. And so what do you want people to remember about folks like Maurice? You <laughs> won't be representing him. Right. But, you know, it's going to be a very public trial. His face is going to be everywhere. What do you want people to remember about Maurice Hill? They're going to remember what they want to because most of them met him this way, right? Most of them met him in this particular circumstance. But what I would implore people to do is to ask questions as to why. Ask questions. Be your own investigator. Ask questions. Don't just take what you're being spoon fed. And and respect to I'm speaking to a a highly regarded journalist in this moment. Mm -hmm. But don't just take what you're spoon fed by journalists and the media. Do your own do your own research. And what I mean is what led up to this? If, in fact, he did he did what he's being alleged to have done. What? Ask questions. How did he get here? I'll just take one second and say this to you. Yeah. I find it very interesting that uh, when a shooter. Uh, uh, of another persuasion for Maurice was taken alive. Yeah. There were no death threats sent to his attorney. And the media instantly started talking about the social factors that plagued that young man. 
the fact that he'd played too much Grand Theft Auto, the fact that he had uh, been from a broken home. They instantly went didn't to that. Didn't have a father. Yeah, didn't well, have a dad, yeah. right? And so the moment Maurice is taken alive, you want his attorney with a bullet in his head, and you instantly say, well, what is this animal doing on the street? Wait a minute, time. We're talking about a human being. Why aren't we addressing those same social factors that we were doing for someone very similarly situated to, well, not so similarly, because Maurice didn't kill anyone. That other person had taken lives, had actually taken human lives. Yeah. And so I want people to, uh, uh, if you're going to villainize them, you're going to villainize them. But what I would say is don't just get on the bandwagon. Do your homework. Do your research. Investigate. Find out what the social factors were and if they mean anything to you while you're forming your opinion. Did you feel like he was in his right mind during that time? Because we and we just did a show on shootings, mass shootings and and mental illness, a mental, illness. you know, and he had repeated, you know, you you represented him in, in criminal cases. Obviously, I don't think he was in his right mind. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why, because this is a Maurice Hill who's respected the process before. He's been arrested. He got an attorney. He won his case. And he did that over and over. And I I even read that he had been a federal. He'd helped federal prosecutors in the past as well. Right. Yeah. So he's a person who's managed to get out of uh, squirrely situations, either by helping himself or by hiring an attorney. And and, and that federal business wasn't on my watch. Yeah. But he and I, you know, prevailed on the cases in which I did represent him. Yeah. Never during any of those cases did he pick up a pistol and decide to shoot it out with the cops. So you have to ask yourself, was he in crisis? I, at least I asked myself, was mm. he in a mental health crisis? Mm-hmm. Was he in a space where he had been declining? And you've known him for years. For years. Yeah. But, but because he had no open matters, we don't talk every day. Yeah. You know, so the but last, you've never seen him like this ever. Never, never, never. Last time I saw him was two years ago and I never seen him like this. Yeah. Wow. And so as we wrap this up, I mean, this are you going to become I got to mention, I saw you on Free Meek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You were like on the, and every, and people who don't know what Free Meek is. It's like the documentary about Meek Mill. I just shifted. Yes. Totally. Yes. yes that's but fine. I saw you there, too. So you were like your your face is around. I'm, I'm working. I'm working. Um, They were they were the, the, the editors uh, were calling from California and I was really sort of behind the scenes giving them uh, information about Pennsylvania law, how things work in Philadelphia court. So I was sort of court the, police. Right. Everything. So you I, could, well, yeah. I was the plug on the phone. They called me later to come in and have a sit down. Um, so they were just sort of doing fact checking that sort of thing with me on the phone. And I was happy doing that, just giving some information. But then they said, well, you know, you, you act like you can talk a little bit. Come on and have a sit down with us. So my last question for you, will you become the, 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 the take in the bring in guy? I pray not. <laughs> I, maybe I won't even answer my phone after six anymore. Now I'm joking. I answer my phone. <laughs> I, I just, um, listen, there was a black police officer who said to me, this sets a bad precedent. And I said, well, you know, expound on that a little bit to which he responded. And it's a friend of mine. We were just casual conversation. And he said, um, the fact that he wasn't killed sends a bad message. And this is a, uh, and I said, wow, that's how you really feel. And that, we, we talked for like an hour and a half. Um, about that statement and what it and what it meant and why he and I are on. We have a a very stark, yeah. You, you know, we couldn't be on op, more opposite ends. Um, that's how some people feel, quite frankly. That the message should have been sent: if you resist violently in this particular way, we we put you down. You know, like a dog, we put you down. And despite the fact that we can take you out and make you go through our legal system, that's that, that's too good for you. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, I just never thought, you know, I'd be in a day and time when this is this is what the prevailing thought, you know, is in the land. But here we are. Here we are. Well, Shaka Johnson, uh, defense attorney, <laughs> the takedown man, the take, <laughs> break in man. I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, you, uh, marvelous work. I, I really appreciate that. And so that. many people appreciate that. I respect you. So I respect that coming from you. I really, I mean that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on Flashpoint. Thanks, man. Next up, a Bucks County woman who helps strangers stave off depression through hugs. People crave that kind of touch. Her heart motivation and its wide-reaching impact. We'll be right back.